0: Welcome to the National Community Church Podcast. We're thrilled to be able to share this weekend's message with you. You can find us on national.cc or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. In this family, we do hard things. This is a sign that hangs on the wall of our home, and it's a phrase that we say to our children again and again. Any time that a trial feels difficult or impossible or when fatigue or when resistance sets in. We want our family to feel like a place where we offer encouragement to one another. Where we, um, we whisper our confidence into one another. But we also want our family to feel like a place of accountability. Where we speak the divine destiny to one another. And we push each other to be our best selves. So about uh, two years ago, just as the pandemic was, was setting in and those walls of isolation were really closing in, Joel and I made a decision that we would take a step um, to do something that we'd been talking about for a number of years, that I would go back to school. I don't know if it was the, the worst possible timing or the best possible timing, right? Because when I started the program, um, it had actually been exactly 20 years since I'd completed any formal education process. And um, the first few weeks of study were so immediately rewarding that I felt these feelings of of regret kind of setting in. Like, why did I wait so long to do this? I'm such a learner. I thrive so well in these environments. It felt like I had been kind of awakened in a new way. Um, Joel was, was really gently reminded me that I had been kind of busy. I had... I had worked for Congress for 10 years, I had helped build this incredible church, I had gotten married, had three beautiful children, Um, but there was something in me that just felt like maybe I I didn't have um, the permission to step into that space. And I was stepping in at a unique and a really difficult time, right? All of us were experiencing suffering, and I knew that this was going to cost my family, our kids were home learning for the first full year of that, and our team here was adjusting to pastoring with our, our doors closed, and, and then many changes that we went through as a church. But walking on the beach that summer with Joel, he looked at me and said, the time is now, and I am with you. And that was the activation that I needed. So um, just that next week, we had, a, we had a Thursday recording in this room, and actually someone um, approached me and said, "Hey, I was I was praying over you tonight as we were um, preparing for service, and I felt the Lord had a word for you. And um, I feel like the Lord said that as a mom, as a leader, you put others first, but um, it's okay for you to do something for you. Wow. Yeah." So if you haven't been with us for a bit, we're actually in this incredible series, I'm enjoying it so much, called Genius. And we're looking at components of what makes each of us unique. One of our, our individual expressions of genius that are found at the intersection of history, gifts, passion, and personality. And we're exploring those things through the lens of individuals in scripture. So today I'm going to lean into the story of Deborah in the book of Judges. And Deborah had the genius of activation. And she also had its best companion, the genius of discernment. She was a powerhouse figure for leadership of God's people. So you can turn in your Bibles to the book of Judges, and we're, we're going to get there in um, just a moment. But um, I told that story of, of Joel and of my kids and my family and, and even Pastor Mark giving me the push, and then there's the word from the Lord. Those were all catalysts that activated me to take a step for something that might have otherwise not felt that I either had in me or had the permission to do. And and I share that story of people activating me, but but to be honest, and maybe this is just because I'm I'm a mom that usually maybe I'm the activator in the story, right? And this displays itself in many components of my life, and and um you know, maybe it is a a mothering tendency that's been in me since I was young. Maybe it's a, I don't know, maybe I want to prefer to feel young that I call it a big sistering tendency that is inside of me. Um, And I actually, I am a big sister. I am um, a big sister by, you know, birth order in my family. I'm the oldest. Um, But I'm also a big sister in personality. And you I probably don't have to explain to you what that means if you have a big sister, or if you have an overbearing mama, perhaps, I don't know, I'm both of those, Um, but um, what this means is that we have thoughts, and we have opinions, and no matter how hard we try to contain them or suppress them, they just somehow burst their way out, (laughs) and big sistering actually doesn't contain, just doesn't you know, isn't contagious to your family, actually, I, I'm sure I've actually probably big sistered many of you, even in this, in this house, right? I've, I've said, thank you. I've said things like, who says that you can't buy a house because you're a single woman? Because I think that you can, and that you should. I've said, why can't you ask for that promotion? Because I think you can, and that you should. I've also said, um, are you dating anyone? Because I know someone fantastic, because <laughs> that's what big sisters do, right? But I also say, um, you don't want to do it that way. You should do it this way. In fact, you should is a common part of my vocabulary, one that I tried to keep at bay. And I know, actually, my own little sister is here in the house today, and I'm sure she's either, like, giggling or shaking her head. I'm not sure. Because I say you should a lot. But at the start of the series, Pastor Mark, he, he shared a quote by Graham Greene. He said, there's always a moment in childhood when the door opens and the future is let in. And if you look back at my childhood report cards, you will see that future being let in because I was identified as having strong ideas. I think um, a lot of words. In fact, I believe the word assertive showed up quite a number of times. And in the summers, I would organize all of my neighborhood um, friends and my siblings, and I would put together these plays, backyard plays. And I would be the playwright. I would be the director. (laughs) To be honest, I would probably be the starring role also because it was my play after all. Um, And actually when I hit college, that door was open a little bit wider. I remember taking the first ever, um, the first time that I had taken a personality test and the profile, when I read it at the end, the summary, it said this, you tend to expect that people will go along with your ideas and plans. (laughs) And because of that confidence, they usually do. So you might be getting a taste today of why I have an affinity for Deborah. She was a strong female leader. And before we can dig in, I actually just want to take a moment to share something about strong female leaders because it's not always an easy path. Leading with a strong voice as a woman is not always a welcome attribute. In fact, when I was pregnant with our first child, we found out that we were having a girl and I, I actually had a little bit of a difficult time with it at first, and, and Joel was, was pressing and, and, and asking about that. And I finally confessed, you know, um, I know what it's like to be a firstborn girl. And it's not always welcome, especially in faith communities. The picture that the church paints of a woman doesn't always seem like it fits me, right? Meek or reserved, and I thought, I don't even have the gift of hospitality. <laughs> But by the way, the Lord knows best because having a daughter first was the most incredible gift for our family of a nurturer and a caretaker. In fact, I never have to give babysitters, we don't have babysitters anymore, but I never had to give them instructions because I would always just say, ask Ella what to do. She knows. (laughs) And we actually ended up giving her the name Eloise Kimberly, which means wise leader. Because we decided that if she was going to be a leader and to be strong, we would ask the Lord to make her wise and discerning. And the Lord is fulfilling that prayer. So I hope that some of you strong females in the room feel seen today because you are so important in the kingdom of God. And he has plans to use you. But this gift, this gift of activation, this is a word for all of us, male and female, young and old. And sometimes I do have to pull back on my own reins. And I like to think that God has refined the gift of discernment and patience over time. And I am a relentless cheerleader of others. And I love to be the catalyst of activation in the lives of others. Amen. So let's talk about catalysts for just a minute. Um, actually, and this, maybe this is odd in a pastoral role, but my, my undergrad was, um, my degrees were in biology and economics. So because I put in so many hours, lab hours in science, you're just gonna have to bear with me for a minute Why I use a science example, okay? So let me remind you about the activation energy for just a minute. A reaction requires an input of energy to initiate the reaction. This is called its activation energy. Activation energy, it's the amount of energy required to reach a transition state. You can see here in the graphic. And, and what are some examples of this? Well, activation energy is needed to start a car. Turning a key causes a spark that activates the burning of gasoline in an engine right? The combustion of gas won't occur without that spark of energy to begin the reaction. And I do realize the irony of me talking about cars, because I know nothing about them. (laughs) But the friction of a strike is the activation energy that's needed to light a match. Okay, but now, check this out. When a catalyst is introduced, next slide, into a reaction, it decreases the activation energy that is needed. So, What are you saying, Nina? I'm saying that reactions can be accelerated by catalysts. A catalyst speeds up the rate of reaction by lowering the activation energy. I'm saying that there are people in our lives that are the catalyst to our action. They are the catalyst to that initiated energy. And these individuals, they prompt us, they support us, they call out of us. They are leaning into their genius of activation. And it's a gift that we give to one another. An activator should be welcome in this house. So let's lean together from Deborah. You can turn to Judges. Um, Well, first, actually, to understand the role of, of, or Deborah's role, we first have to have a wider understanding of the time in history that's chronicled in the book of Judges. So the book of Judges, it's a continuation of the book of Joshua. God's people have settled into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua, and they're surrounded by all of the nations occupied by Hittites, and the Hivites, and the Canaanites, and the Amorites, just remember all the ites. And God had strictly warned his people that they must not follow in the ways of other nations, and they must not worship their idols. But after Joshua, a generation arose that did not know the Lord, God's people had trouble staying the course. They began to adopt idolatrous and oppressive practices of the pagan people around them. Judges 2.10 describes the situation of this period saying, Another generation grew up and knew neither the Lord nor what he had done. And there's a word there about how important it is for us to share the testimony of who God is to the next generation so that no generation is raised up that does not know the Lord or what he has done. But five times in the book of Judges, we read, once again, the Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight. That's the sentence throughout Judges. Once again, the Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight. So there's this pattern that repeats in Judges, the first rebellion. God's people rebel. They worship foreign gods and worship their idols. And then there's retribution. There's the consequence of that. You want to serve these other gods? Well, Okay, well, then you like them so much, they will be your masters and you will be their slaves. And after the pain of that comes repentance. And in their suffering, they cry out to God, we are so sorry, please bring us back to you. And he is always faithful, offering restoration. Each time when they call out to God for deliverance, he raises up a judge to deliver them. This cycle gets repeated again and again. God's people forget the story of God. They forget who they are. They prefer, they pursue stories of their own making and they find themselves in deterioration, disease. And that's probably something that we see repeating generationally even now and maybe even just within our own lives, or our own hearts. But that brings us here to Judges 4.4 where we meet Deborah. Judges four. Now Deborah, a prophet of the wife of Lapidoth was judging Israel at that time She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. So what do we know about Deborah? We know this. One, that she is a prophetess, right? She was a spokesperson of God. She was a judge. Israel would come to Deborah with their problems, and being led by God, she would render judgment. And it's worth noting that beside Deborah, the only other person in the Bible named as both a judge and a prophet is Samuel. So this shows us that she had influence and she's looked up to as a leader in the nation. We know that she's a wife. It says she is, our English Bible translations say, Deborah, wife of Lapidoth, but that could also be translated, that word could be translated woman, noting where she's from, woman of Lapidoth, not who she's married to, we don't actually know. And Lapidoth actually means torch, and the connotation is, is fiery. So perhaps that phrase, woman of Lapidoth, is, means that she's a woman of fire. And I actually like that translation because we have a lot of women of fire in this house, and I have them in my own home. Um, so we will read this later um, in Deborah's poem, but she's also a mother of Israel. It says later, I, Deborah, arose, a mother of Israel. And we don't know if she's referring literally or not, if she had biological children or whether she's referring to herself as a mother of the nation. But she did mother the nation into 40 years of peace. And what I would give for someone to mother our nation into years of peace, male or female. Yeah. But of course, I can't, um, I can't mention Deborah as the mother of a nation and not honor today that we're together on Mother's Day. So I do wish all of you, um, not just biological moms, actually, a happy Mother's Day. Because I think what I'm getting at here is that there's actually something really incredible about the way that, that we mother or nurture or care for one another. So to all of you that have showed up so lovingly or unconditionally in the lives of others, we just, we do, we honor you today if you've mothered or you've big sistered or you've just cared for in such a way. Would you feel blessed and honored and truly seen? So we see Deborah for who she is um, and we're gonna dig into a situation where we see her at work actually and we'll get to see her giftings in full force because Deborah was an activator and she was used to deliver the Israelites from the Canaanites. The story of Deborah in Judges 4 and 5 begins like many of the stories in the book of Judges. The Israelites have sinned against the Lord and um, he's allowed them to be subdued by King Jabin of of Canaan. So it says, because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried out to the Lord for help. And Deborah responds to a prompt from the Lord. It says that she sent for Barak, son of Abiminoam, from Kadesh and Naphtali and said to him, the Lord God of Israel commands you Go and take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tamor. And I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and troops to the Kishon River. And I will give him into your hands. So she calls for Barak. He's a commander in Israel's army. And she tells him to go and fight Jabin's army. And the commander of Jabin's army is named Sisera. This word from the Lord was a prophetic word that God had given to her. That, and, and it says there in the scripture, it says that He would, He will give them into your hands. He will deliver them. Some translation says into your hands. Um, each week, uh, my oldest and I, Ella, we get up really, really early in the morning and we go to a coffee shop and we do. We call it Starbucks in scripture, and we just read God's word together um, early in the morning before school. And and. Last couple weeks, we have been studying through judges and through some of these scriptures. And I was, we were reading through this, and she just said, Mom, like, he will deliver them into his hands. Like, what does that mean? And I, I love studying God's word with young people because you stop and be like, yeah, like, what does that mean? Um, and what it means is God was promising the victory. And, and the reason that I, that jumps out to me now in a new way when I read scripture is because there are times in our lives that God says ahead of time, I'm prompting you to do something. I need you to do it, and I am promising you the victory. So I hope those words, he delivered them, will stand out to you in a new way now. But Barak replied to Deborah, Judges 4.8, he says, if you go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. So though the Lord had promised victory, Barak was not ready to go to the battlefield without Deborah. He probably would have been concerned about the strength of the Canaanites, right? We read that they had 900 chariots of iron, they had advanced military technology, and they had been cruelly suppressing the Israelites. And what did Israel have? They were weaponless. Judges 5.8 says not a shield or a spear could be seen among 40,000 warriors in Israel. You know, we, we write... In these same books, we will read about Gideon. And that's such a powerful story of a time that God took so little to, to show that he was behind the victory. But we see it here, too. The Israelites had not a shield or a spear. And they were going to come up against 900 chariots of iron. But Deborah was a prophetess. Barak believed that her presence would strengthen him. He wanted her covering. And Deborah gave a swift reply in Judges 4.9. Certainly, I will go with you, said Deborah. But because the, of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. Deborah offered her quick presence. And, man, we could do a whole study or a whole week on the genius of, of go with it-ness. That gift of, like, I will go with you. I will be with you. Um, the, that book, The Five Love Languages, I always tease that I... Um, I think there should be a sixth one called the love of support, of just like, I'm with you. I will be in your corner where you're there. Um, But Deborah said to Barak, this is the day that the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord got ahead of you? So Barak did, went down to Mount Tamor with 10,000 men following him. And at his advance, Sisera got down off the chariot and he fled on foot. This is where the story gets a little crazy, but he goes to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, and he says there was an alliance between um, King Jabin and this particular family. So I think Sisera thought this would be a safe hiding place, but our hiding place. But Jael invites Sisera in, she serves him refreshments, she agrees to be his lookout. He was so exhausted, he falls asleep. And Jael takes a hammer and pounds a tent peg through his temple killing him, it was J.L. who won the victory for the Israelites by gaining his trust and then following through in obedience to the Lord. So Deborah's word was true, that God would deliver victory through a woman. So we, we see Deborah's activation, and then as a little surprise, we see J.L.'s activation, Right? So what are the attributes of an activator? What, what are these attributes that we could pull out or model or strengthen in our own lives? So I would say that an activator has God-given authority. They act in their God-given authority. Deborah heard a word from the Lord and convinced Barak to fix her eyes on him. Even though victory seemed impossible, it would happen through God's intervention. An activator has a prophetic discernment They have an acute ability to see the path forward, a sharp instinct. If you are lucky enough to have a discerner in your life, then I encourage you to lean in. Because when an activator starts moving, particularly if they have a discernment of the Lord, if they're responding to his or her instincts and interceding on your behalf, then I encourage you to to lean in to receive that word. An activator has... Um, offers persistent accountability. This is some of that big sistering I was talking about earlier, right? Sometimes it's an unwelcome reminder. The word Deborah, there's so much we could do and just word study here, but the word Deborah actually means bee. And what do we know about bees? Bees can be really annoying, right? They make a buzzing sound, they can sting, but they're producers, they get the job done. They're so, actually seed is so important to our ecosystems that there's full like organizations that protect them. So welcome the the persistent accountability of the Debras, of the bees in your life. Activators offer quick encouragement. Deborah was swift to say, yes, I will go with you. My kids um, compete on a swim team every summer and there's this one mom on the team um, her name is Sunshine, and she actually, she goes nuts cheering for the kids, like, it, and not just her kids, but, but really any kids, particularly if it's a kid that has, seems scared to swim or is falling behind. I mean, she gets right up there at the edge of the pool, and she just screams their name, and she, she goes wild, and her voice is so loud, and it's, you can't help but watch it and not just grin because she just pours so much life into it. And all of the moms, we always say every summer, we're like, oh, I just need a sunshine in my life. Someone who in that moment, when you feel like you're falling behind, is just like, you got this. Go, go, go. So we all need those persistent encouragers and um, those sunshines in our life. And my kids have grown up in this church, and they have so many of those individuals in this community here. They have Miss Eugenia and Miss Lindsay and Mr. Rich and, and um, youth leader Nick. They just have all of these incredible adults that are just shouting their names from, from the sidelines and saying you're incredible and showing up in these important moments. And so um, lean into that here at this church. Draw that into your life and family through your small group or your community or into your kids' lives. Those people that are those persistent encouragers But Deborah even calls out in celebration of JL. And I could preach a whole other sermon on the power of women celebrating the victory of other women. She says in Judges 524, most blessed of women be JL, the wife of the Kenite, the most blessed of tent-dwelling women. Most blessed. Activators have a strong-willed loyalty. Loyalty. Both Deborah and JL were fiercely loyal, committed to the Lord's instruction to achieve victory. In my experience, um, activators are very loyal. If you, um, you know, I might be very persistent, maybe even that buzzing bee in your ear. That might be a little bit annoying, but if anyone comes at any of my people, (laughs) that loyalty, that that mother or big sistering tendency kind of rises up. And particularly, if I feel like the, the Lord has guaranteed a victory forward, should anyone get in the Amen. way? Amen. So the plan worked, and God delivered the victory. And actually, following an important win, it, it was actually customary to write a victory song. These were called Hymns of Triumph, and, they, and we see a number of them, these songs of celebration throughout the Old Testament. And Deborah and Barak's song is actually thought to be one of the oldest texts in the Bible. So I do, I encourage you to take some time this week and to go back and to read it. But celebrating obedience and victory of God's advancement, it's, it's actually really, really important part of what we do as a faith community. And... and um, Joel mentioned this event coming up on May 17th, Innovate, and, and that's what that is. We're actually going to be celebrating individuals, activators that have, have stepped out in their genius of activation, done something bold and created, whether through art or through um, entrepreneurship or, or in, in the business world, and we're going to celebrate with them, and we're going to be inspired by them. We're going to be activated by them. So I really do encourage you to be here that night. It's gonna be a really, really incredible time of of celebration. It'll be our victory song as a church. But within that victory song is that line that I mentioned earlier, where Deborah recognizes herself as an activator. In Judges 5-7, she says, "'The villagers in Israel would not fight. "'They held back until I, Deborah, arose, "'until I arose, a mother in Israel.'" No one would fight until she pushed. Another translation says village life had ceased. If that doesn't feel like the past two years. The Israelites were beaten down by 20 years of slavery. They were tired and discouraged. They needed someone to inspire them, to call them to the word that the Lord had said. In acting in obedience, Deborah used her place of trust and authority to inspire not just Brock but all of the people to obedience. In Judges 5-9, Deborah praises that the people came voluntarily. She says, my heart is with Israel's princes, with the willing volunteers among the people. Praise the Lord. So Israel was at this desperate, um, beaten down time and when um, Deborah called and said it's time to arise, the people stepped forward, they volunteered. And you can't be someone who works in church leadership and not love the word volunteer. <laughs> I'll tell you that as we've returned as um, a church community, um, the volunteer lists, they haven't returned quite as fast. So let this be my big sistering, my, my B at you to serve in this house. Yeah. Amen. So here in this victory poem of Deborah is my favorite part of this pericope. By the way, the word pericope just means passage. When you go back to fancy Bible school, that's what they teach you, words like pericope. So now I have taught you. So in this pericope, Judges, um, in Judges, Judges 5.12 says, wake up, Deborah. This is my favorite verse in this whole passage. Wake up, Deborah. Wake up. Wake up, break out in song. Arise, Barak, take captive your captive, son of Abimoam. Deborah and Barak responded to the call to wake up and to arise to a new revelation, a new dimension of their calling. The Lord had prepared a divine appointment. He was telling them to be alert, to pay attention, to act because he was about to move in an extraordinary way. And that part, take captive your captives. This means, this means step into victory. Your captives, I have prepared a victory. A few um, weeks ago, on our Thursday night um, prayer service, Pastor Joel and Pastor Chris were preparing to lead us in a um, a prophetic exercise that we would practice hearing from the words of the hearing the words of the Lord and receiving them and. Um, listening in a new way on behalf of ourselves and our each others and our community. And so they wanted us to, to practice it ahead of time. And, and so we were, a small group of us were doing it. And As we sat and listened, I felt this word so strongly from the Lord. I wrote down on this card and I've been carrying it around with me ever since. I felt like the Lord said, I'm setting up divine appointments. Are you paying attention? Are you looking Are you ready? And I wrote that down and I've been carrying it all around and I have been looking and I've been ready and it's been amazing the things that I've seen, the connections that I'm making when I'm looking for the Lord's work. And then I come to this scripture and I'm studying this week and it says, wake up, wake up, break out in song, arise, take captives your captives. Are you looking, are you ready for the moment that I'm preparing for you to step into? I'm trying to activate you to my victory. So, I don't know what the Lord is prompting in you or I've been speaking to you in this time. Perhaps it's been a really long time, like it was for me in this moment of maybe going back to school. I don't know what the Lord is prompting in you, but you do. And I imagine you might even be thinking about it right now. But I know that the Lord is saying, I'm doing a new thing, a new thing. And maybe you feel it like I feel it, but since we've been back together, gathered as a community, there is a hunger in this church body. There is a desperation for God's movement, for his presence in his new way, for his activation in a new way. And might I dare say that we would just listen to the Lord. We would ask him for the divine promptings. We would be on the lookout throughout the week. We would be stepping into divine appointments. And I would say if there is an activator in your life who has been prompting something, I am prompting you today to pay attention, to take action, to arise, to respond. And if you are the activator in this room today, if you've been called maybe bossy or sometimes overbearing or you've been told to stand down, it it has to be refined, of course, right? We have to refine our, our giftings, but refine that listening ear to the Spirit, and then would you activate us? Would you activate this community, this city? We need your encouragement and we need your motivation and we need your discernment yeah. and we need your prompting and we need your prophecy. Yeah. We need your go with yeah. your support. Yeah. I would ask that you would not stand down in this house. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us for the common good, yeah. Yeah. it's to be shared. And I know I'm talking about this, you know, words from the Lord or, or um, what it means to hear a prophetic word, and I know that sounds kind of weird and scary, and I've learned a lot in the past few years myself. Even just about it, I, pref- I like the word discernment, right? A spiritual discernment. But if you do want to learn more about that, um, Pastor Chris has actually been leading. It's, it's called Basic Training for the, uh, for the Prophetic, and it's um, Sundays at the turnaround here. You can just learn more and study more together with him. I hope you will. But that word arise, I want to put that word into our vocabulary as a community. Let us be a community that, that activates one another. We have to be careful here because, you know, D.C. is a place that is all about activation, right? We're a town that's like so set on doing things and achieving and advancing. But I'm talking specifically about activating in response to promptings of the Lord, And that takes a mature faith. That takes a study of scripture and revelation from his word. And it isn't always easy. And it requires boldness. But in this house, in this family, we do hard things. I'm going to invite the worship team to come as I pray to just close us. And I'm just going to ask the Lord if he would move. Um, If those things that he's speaking into our hearts and minds, if he would make them clear. So if you would just join me as I um, thank the Lord, God. Thank you for Deborah. Thank you for a well-developed and a well-respected leader. Thank you for the obedience of Jael, God, for her bravery. God, would you make us men and women both activators of one another. God, we know you don't waste your gifts, Lord. Whatever it is that you're speaking into our minds and hearts right now, either something that we're supposed to encourage another with or something that you have been trying to prompt us to do. God, as we just think of all of the reasons why now is not the right time or the right moment or all of the reasons why we can't, God, would you would your presence just feel near? God, thank you for genius of activation and may we use it to respond to you through discernment lord would your voice be loud and clear in our lives thank you for this church body thank you for this family that goes along with one another offer support and encouragement god so would you be honored by our gifts laid at your altar, Lord. We so humbly ask this as your servants.